Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Someone has done you wrong and you can't let go. You are full of resentment. You've tried to breathe, meditate, find closure, but nothing seems to work long term. Maybe you even have moments of relief, but before long, you're back to bitter thoughts of this person or situation taking up prime real estate in your mind. If left unchecked, resentment will poison your life and happiness. You already know this. But what do you do? What do I do, Abby? Well, today I'm teaching you how you've been approaching resentment all wrong. That's why it hasn't worked. And the one evidence-based way to get it right. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven. With over 30 years of experience helping people create connection, joy, and ease in all their relationships. What's my secret? Well, besides being totally hilarious, I help you think differently so you can approach your relationships in a completely new way. I'm the best deal in town because the tools I teach apply to all your relationships which allows you to simplify your life and find the confidence, calm, and deep love you've been craving. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in all your relationships today. So let's get to it. Well, hi there. Welcome back. I am your host. You know who I am, Dr. Abby Metcalf. Just Abby to you. Whenever you DM me or anything else or send me an email, don't call me Dr. Abby. <laughs> just, I just go by Abby. That's just me. I, you know, the doctor thing is nice because you know I've had some schooling, right? Uh, the PhD thing is always helpful. But, you know, that's really just in a professional setting. I don't, it's not like I make my kids call me Dr. Abby or something or friends or anyone else. So, and, you know, we're in a relationship. So it, my clients too. I don't, uh, nobody calls me Dr. Abby. However, you know, when I'm referring to myself professionally, I do. So welcome back. Glad to have you here. First, I want to say thank you for the reviews people have been leaving about the podcast. I read them and my heart gets happy. I don't know if I should read them on here. I don't want to use up our time that way, but I do want people to, I want to acknowledge the people who have taken the time to write them. And again, there's a lot of you listening there's tens of thousands of people listening and I, I don't have tens of thousands of reviews. So what you doing? We're in a relationship. I remind you all the time. It's, a, it's, it's reciprocal. We, we give, we give and we, and, we, and we give the other way. I give, you give. It's a beautiful thing. We're in this together. So that is the way you can help me. If you want to buy a book or buy a mug or do something else, great. That's a way to help me. But another way to help me, you, I always say this, you don't have to spend a thing. You know, I'm here. Uh, but you can help me by writing reviews. More people find me that way. You can help me uh, by subscribing if you're watching on YouTube and seeing my uh, straight hair today. I'm going straight today. One straight today. 
I have big Jufro, big curly hair. Sometimes I like to straighten it. Anyway, uh, and you can see my fabulous fashions and all that. And if you're watching on, you know, YouTube, subscribe, like, leave a comment, whatever. Whatever. My New York came out there. Whatever. Uh, you know, just these are ways. Follow me on Instagram. All the ways to give love. There you go. All right. So I got to tell you, so this topic has been <laughs> rolling around in my head for a long time. And um, I kind of think, I feel like I've been studying resentment for 40 years because we talk a lot, a lot about resentment in the 12 steps of recovery. So Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, you know, the 12 steps, AA, NA, uh, all the other anonymouses. We talk about resentment, I mean, a lot. And it is famously, you can say this if anyone is in recovery who's listening, you know, go to 12-step meetings. We, we, you know, page 64, page 64 of what we call the big book of AA, this big blue book that runs around and is used in all the 12-step programs, more or less. Uh, it very famously says on page 64 in that book that resentment uh, resentment is the number one offender. It's, it's a longer quote. Basically, they're saying to self and ego. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. That's that's the point. And when you're when you're doing that, you know, the people say like the 12 steps. And I'm not going to be teaching 12 steps today, okay? We're, we're going at it with some evidence-based things. And sadly, there's not a lot of evidence based around 12 steps. But having said that, there are 12 steps to recovery. And you do them in order, and they're in order on purpose for anybody listening who's in recovery. Make sure you do them in order. And uh, when you get to the infamous step four, you know, the first three steps are kind of about, you know, realizing you're powerless and, you know, trying to be restored to sanity kind of thing. But the next three after that, four, five, and six, that's when we're really focused on kind of looking at ourselves and what what the hell we're doing. And they're in step four, is about something called a searching and fearless moral inventory, which basically everyone's terrified of step four. If you're if you're in the, if you if you do the twelve steps, you're, you people are terrified of step four. No reason to be, but we are. But mostly, it's because in that step, no matter and and people do steps differently, but no matter how you do it, you got to write about your resentments. You write about them. You you re you list them you identify the causes the effects of your resentments i mean you go deep on resentment and then because the steps build on each other when you get way down into step 10 <laughs> trying to remember my steps uh we have an ongoing daily practice of this moral inventory where we focus on having um you know where we're making sure we're not having resentments that we're admitting when we're wrong you know we have humility all the good things it's really I've said for so long that although I would not have wished heroin addiction on myself or on anyone, I feel like everyone should go through the 12 steps because it's really an instruction manual for living a happy, healthy life. Um, it's really wonderful. So I've done that. I've, I've done so many fourth steps where I've written out all my resentments. But let me say this. Nothing has helped me the way what I'm going to teach you today has helped. Nothing I often had struggles really, quote unquote, letting go of these resentments. And in it, 12 Steps has a lot of little, um, we have a lot of sayings. We have these little sayings. And one of them is let go and let God. And I have to tell you, I wanted to put my fist through people's faces who used to say that to me. It's kind of like Nike's just do it. You know, let go and let God, just do it. Just do it. Fuck you, just do it. What if I could? I would. I wouldn't be listening to your stupid ad. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be here in this meeting listening to people go on and on. Just wanted to smack people hard who say this kind of stuff. Like, could you just? Anytime there's just in front of something, to me it's dismissing. Even though I say just to you a lot, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be dismissing. Um, but it's one of those things that, anyway, drives me nuts. So. For me, it, you know, working the 12 steps absolutely helped. It really got me to a lot of places. It got me to sort of realize a lot of things. It, one of the things it got me to realize was that I resented myself. I resented myself for being an addict, you know, wasting, quote unquote, you know, all these years of my life. Uh, I resented how I looked. I resented my failed relationships. You know, I just thought I was a piece of shit, you know, and, and 
uh, I resented myself and, you know, all my wasted potential, I guess, or whatever. Um, not good, but that is where most of the help came for me was kind of in the ahas and unearthing things. I didn't even know, like, didn't really truly understand what resentments were, which I'm going to explain them in a minute. But, um, I guess my point is I could heap that resentment on myself just as well as I did onto others. So it was everywhere. And as I was working, you know, these 12 steps, which really helped me, I will tell you, it again, wasn't until I learned and started consistently practicing. I know you hate this part, but you got to consistently practice this tool I'm going to teach you today that I feel like I really got to handle my resentments of others and start to also learn to forgive myself. Can I say even like myself? I don't know that I like myself all the time, but I, I'm pretty consistent with liking myself now, which is shocking um, from the self-loathing I had for so many years. So I, I, I guess, okay, so I just want to say all that, that I, I feel like I've been studying this topic for many, many years. And here we are in a way that I've incorporated this in with my clients, the work I do with my clients, the work I do with myself, you know, all the things. So before I get to the big tool, let's talk about what exactly it is. What exactly is resentment, Abby? You know, uh, maybe, you know, do you, are you that person who brings up old resentments from your past with your partner? You know, the thing they did, like something happens in the present and then you mention the 50 things they've done before that you didn't like, that's resentment. Uh, maybe you feel like your dad has been insensitive and hurt your feelings, right? And you've been thinking about it all week or all year or the last 10 years. Maybe you work hard at your job all day and your boss never shows any appreciation. Anytime you use never or always, it's resentment. I know, there you go. Because you're not just talking about the moment. You're talking about it never happens, it always happens, whatever. That's resentment. There obviously are many, many situations that can lead to you feeling resentful in your relationships. Um, so I want to point out first that resentment is different than anger. You know, and anger can show up like hurt, frustration, disappointment, right? Anger, uh, that resentment is different. Anger, re resentment, frustration, disappointment, these are all feelings you have in a moment. Something happens and in a moment you feel it. Resentment is what you feel when you think about the situation later, when you replay it. So that, and then anger in a moment, you know, what could have been just a passing thing because you're thinking about it over and over turns into rage, anxiety, depression all day long, all week long, all, all year long. And so the word resentment, when you when you lay it out, right, re, and then, and it, re always means again, right? In the beginning of a word in English, it means again. And then sentiment, that other part of it is to sense or to feel, right? So the word resent means to resense or refeel. And that's what you're doing when you play a situation in your head over and over. It's, you know, again, it's one thing to feel feeling. It's not like anger is a bad thing or disappointment or any of those. Uh, in the moment, but it's another thing to replay a scene or a conversation in your mind, dredging up the hurt and the anger and the helplessness and the hopelessness again and again and again. That's where we get into trouble. So that's what I'm talking about today. If you just feel like you have an anger issue, quote unquote, and you feel like you let things go after that, you, you don't have resentment, you have anger. And, uh, but I don't know why you'd be listening if you let things go all the time. <laughs> Hey, if you do, call me. Maybe you can help me. No, I was kidding. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, I hope healthier people listen. I think you're all pretty healthy if you're listening. I want to say it to you right now. If you're listening, you're, you're, you're good in so many ways because you know that you need to help yourself and you know that you want to be better. And uh, I feel like I'm going to cry all of a sudden. Oh, uh, and that's a lot, you know, for us to um, have that faith in ourselves and that persistence, that's special. A lot of people don't have that. So the fact that you're, you listen to me, that you're sitting here week after week or year after year maybe, and you're really listening um, and trying to change, uh, yeah, kudos, you know, really. Sorry, get misty. Okay. 
let me pull back a moment. I love you. I want you to get better and I'm excited that you are. Okay, sorry. I digress. Let's get back to it. So let me give, I'm going to give you an example that this happened recently, actually. I have a client who was getting a promotion and her partner forgot. So she got a promotion, right? And it was starting in like two weeks. And when the day came, she, uh, you know, of the, the, you know, in the morning, like it's that Monday and she's starting and she's all excited and she's nervous though and anxious. And her partner was asking her all these things in the morning, um, you know, like, did you do this? And what about that? And he was kind of, and she, and she snapped at him and he's like, what's going on? She's like, well, I'm nervous and anxious. I've got this big day coming and you're sort of throwing things at me and you haven't said anything or you know, and he was like, what, what big day? What are you talking about? And he had forgotten about like, you know, she was, she wasn't changing jobs. She was getting a promotion at work, but it was a big deal to her. She'd been trying for a long time. She was pissed. <laughs> she lost her shit on him in the moment and then was spending her whole therapy session talking about it. Uh, and, you know, I was trying to tell her like, it's, I guess it's fine in the moment, you know, you were feeling hurt in a moment. Um, I get it, but she was like way over the top to me about this thing. And uh, like, and again, anger is what she felt in that moment with him. Resentment is what she felt all day as she kept thinking of it and replaying it over and over. So I guess I just want to say those are the differences. I'll talk about, we'll give more examples later. But anyway, I, I want to I just bring it home what I'm talking about. I don't want anyone listening to think that it's unhealthy to have a feeling. <laughs> it is not. Feelings are good. Feelings are our friends. Feelings aren't facts either. But it's when you're what we call perseverating, thinking about it over and over, that becomes a problem. So because resentment, when I think of it, resentment is basically chronic bitterness and rage. That's what resentment is at the end of the day. It and 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 I hope you remember I've talked about rage before as different than anger. Anger, rage is anger plus helplessness. I've done a lot of episodes on anger, quite a few. If you search for anger on my website in the search engine on my website, you will find all the things. Um everything you know you need to know about anger. You'll find all of them. I'll link to them in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, rage is anger plus helplessness. So it's, what happens is that helpless feeling that, you know, in your teeth, like behind your teeth, you're talking like that, uh, which I'm not supposed to do. It's giving me more wrinkles. Um, that I hate those wrinkles around my mouth. I feel like my mother, when I look in the mirror, I'm like, Oh my God, this is not okay. I don't ever, I'm got, I'm pushing towards 60 here. And I gotta tell you, I don't, I don't like it. But anyway, but I digress again. Um, hey, that's what we do here. We we chit chat. We have a, we have a, a talk together. So I do want you to separate those out, though. I anger, healthy, great, comes and goes. Rage, not. That's really part of resentment. Often that helpless feeling. And the problem is people focus on their anger when they should be focusing on the helpless feeling because that's the anger is directed outwards, right? I'm angry at this person, but the helplessness that I feel with that person is the real problem. And you're focusing on the wrong thing. But anyway, I do that in another episode. So it, but it's that helpless feeling that spins you out of control, right? It, it is. And the big problem with getting rid of resentment, here's the deal, is that it's a habit of thought. It becomes a pattern of how you react to things that, you know, something upsets you, you do or don't say something in a moment, or you feel helpless, or you feel like something isn't changing the way you want it. And you start to then have this habit of perseverating, of thinking about this thing all day long. And that is re-sensing it, replaying it, and you're really getting yourself into trouble. And so here's the key. The reason you have tried tools in the past to get over resentment and they failed is because you're not approaching this like changing a habit. You're approaching it with an idea that, you know, you just need to stop thinking about it or let it go, but you don't give yourself the proper tools to do that. It's again, kind of like the Nike ad, just do it. Nah. But how do you just do it? <laughs> if, if everybody could just do it, we'd have a, 
we I don't know. We'd have we'd have a, a world of very thin people, at least a nation here in the United States where everybody seems chubby, where I seem chubby lately. Uh, you know, it would be very easy to go work out. It's not because that just I get I, I know what really it means. Get, you know, that you have to not think and just go do it. Uh, Mel Robbins talks about the five second rule, you know, like just five, four, three, two, one and launch and just do the thing. Uh, but again, I know all this stuff is hard. So let's talk now about why it's important before we jump in. Why is letting go of resentment so important? Who cares? Why can't I just perseverate all day, Abby, and feel like shit? Well, you know, that should be answer itself. But here's the deal. We know from the research that holding on to resentment is destructive to your physical and your mental health. And I'll link to all the studies in the show no- on the show notes page or in the related, you know, the corresponding blog post on my relationship t- tips and tool page, like I always do. So you can go check all my research out later because, you know, I love the research. Studies have shown that holding on to resentments increases your blood pressure and your heart rate. It contributes to chronic pain. It's correlated with heart disease. I could go on and on. It's crazy what resentment does. And if that's not bad enough, my, my, my fine furry friends, holding on to resentment and rage has been linked to depression, to anxiety, to exacerbation of those things, if you already have them, to making them worse, to sexual dysfunction, to rockier interpersonal relationships, uh, romantic, parenting, career. It hurts your career. I know. And it all boils down to this. Okay, let's get ready. When you ruminate all day, when you think all day about your anger, hurt, and resentment with a particular person or situation or whatever, you flood your brain with stress hormones. That's what you're doing because you're putting yourself in state. I'm going to talk about this piece a lot, okay? But you're putting yourself in state. And that's why the, the tool I'm going to give you works because it takes care of this part, this hijacking of your brain. Your brain... You're, you're thinking about, oh, my partner, uh, this person, uh, my boss, what an asshole. You're playing it over, oh, in the meeting, and then he said this, then I did this, and I felt so embarrassed, and I can't believe he, my boss, you know, dressed, talked to me, uh, bitched me out in front of the whole staff and undermined my authority, and you're picturing it, and you're picturing how embarrassed you felt and how ashamed you felt. Oh, you've got stress hormones, cortisol, epinephrine, which is adrenaline, basically. Uh, norepinephrine, all these, because your brain literally thinks it's under attack. Again, you felt like you're under attack in the meeting when your boss was yelling at you. And now you feel it again because you're replaying the whole thing. All of these stress hormones keep that limbic system that I talked about so much. And I'll link to in the show notes if you want to learn more about your lizard brain. It keeps it activated, which means the thinking rational part of your brain is shut down. Remember, I've said this over and over, when your limbic is lit up in your brain, if you're doing like a functional MRI of your brain and, or a PET scan, anything, fMRI is really a thing. And they, and when the limbic is lit up, when this part of your brain is lit up and that cortisol is flying around and all that stuff is happening, your amygdala is hot, you know, all the things, your hypothalamus is kicked on, right? Everything's going. When that's happening, your prefrontal cortex, that part of your brain looks like there's a blanket over it. It Literally. you can't access that nice thinking part of your brain. And it makes sense because if I was running from a tiger, truly, you know, that's part of our evolution, right? I'm running from a big bear, something's about to eat me. I shouldn't stop and rest and think about all my things. And, you know, uh, let me me put a PowerPoint together and all the pros and cons of all, no, I need to be focused I, which is what all these good stress hormones do help me do. They, they, they help me focus my brain on survival. They help me really narrow my thinking. They help me get away from the bear as quickly as possible. However, <laughs> when there's no bear chasing me and I'm still doing that, that's a problem. It's now difficult to concentrate on anything else. You know, you've sat down. You think your brain, again, thinks the line is still chasing you because you were just thinking yet again, about how pissed you are at your at your girlfriend. And so you're and then you're sitting at your desk trying to finish that Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> ha ha ha. Yeah, that's why you can't do it. It's about of course you can't. Your brain thinks you should be thinking about the lion. So it keeps bringing your attention back. I talked about this recently too in my uh episode on anxiety and how it's different than stress, but right? I go deep on it. So go go listen there too. 
So it makes it impossible to think of effective ways to resolve whatever's happened or to remember all the great tools Abby taught you. I taught you all the good things. It is the worst catch-22 there is. So you're thinking about the thing, which is shutting down your thinking brain, which makes you think more about the thing. So you're just in a circle of a spiral of death. Yes, you are. ah! Okay. Screaming at you. That's how upset I am about this. So (laughs) how do you let go of the resentment? How you doing, Abby? Let's get to it. Why are we still talking about all this stuff? Because I always, as always, I give you the background. I give you the why. I give you that, all that. And then I give you the how. I'm always going to give you the how. You know that. No, I'm always going to give you the love. But I really want you to understand always what's happening and why, and then how to change it. All right. So again, I'm going to kind of restate what I said earlier. The mistake most people make the mistake you probably have made before when you've tried to let go of resentment, when you have tried to change this, is that you approach letting go of resentment as something, again, you need to resolve, which is impossible due to this whole, you know, limbic system hijacking thing I just said. Okay, so it's impossible. That's what's so hard. And focusing on the other person is keeping you stuck in a victim role where nothing changes. So those are really the two problems, and I'm going to put them together right now in one answer. So, because I know you, I see you, I see, I hear you, I, you're, you know, my clients say this, I, I get DMs, I get emails, I, I, I see you. You're thinking, if this person apologizes, then I'll be able to let go of my resentments. Or, no, I don't have a camera in your home, I just know this is what you're saying. Or if, if this person can listen and show me that they understand my viewpoint, then I'll be able to let go of my resentments. Then I'll feel heard. Then I'll feel not. Yeah. Mm-mm. But that's not where you need to focus. In fact, I, I'm telling you, it's what's keeping you in a negative, unending cycle of misery and resentment. I know it's hard to hear, but instead... You need to remember that resentment, again, is this habit of thought. So you need to approach this as breaking a habit and have a new way of thinking because it's it's not a physical habit, right? It's a thought habit. So you have to break the thought thinking habit and you have to have a new way of thinking about the event or the person or your life or yourself. You have to. You have to. That is the way out of resentment. Not, I don't know. The other stuff that I always hear as recommendations are the things you can do after, you know, work on forgiveness, work on, um, you know, go meditate, self-compassion. I have a fabulous um, self-compassion video on YouTube. Just we'll link to it. But Abby Metcalf, loving, 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 loving kindness meditation. I think, yeah, loving kindness meditation, which is all about self-compassion and compassion of others. it's free. You don't have to put in your email. Uh, <laughs> these are the things that you do. And I'm not saying they're not helpful to work on in the meantime, but th- I, this is always where I got stuck with 12 steps and other things that were helping me work on my resentments. I would keep getting stuck in a certain kind of pattern because you're, when your brain is still hijacked, you can't really access your thinking about those other things. You can't access the knowledge. You can't access those memories those rational logic part of your brain. It, you can't. Like, it's not that you won't, it's that you can't. And then we sort of blame ourselves. What's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? Because you're human and your brain is hijacked. <laughs> so we have to get out of the brain hijacking first, and then you can use all the other fabulous tools that you've learned from Abby and others. So the habit of thought at the bottom of your resentment is this. If X happens, I'd feel better. That That's your problem. That's what you think, and that's why you're resentful. I know it doesn't, you're not necessarily, you're like, I don't think that, Abby. Yeah, if you think about your thoughts, you'll realize that, well, what do you want to resolve that? How do you think that's going to go away? Oh, well, if they would just this, you know, if uh, if my partner apologizes, I'll feel better. If my boss acted a different way, I'd feel better. If my dad acknowledged uh, my wants and desires, I'd feel better. If, 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 when, when, when. Nope. The only way for you to feel better is for you to take friggin' responsibility and control. 
because here's your aha moment. I'm gonna drum roll on my desk. Can you hear that? I don't even know if that comes through. <laughs> Ready? This is it. This is what it all is. Clinging to resentment is a sign that you are out of control. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm going to say it again, clinging, holding on to your resentment, your grudge, whatever you want to call it, is a sign that you're out of control. You are not in control of your thinking. Your brain is hijacked. It is leading you. You are the child, not the master. I don't care how you want to say that, but that's the problem. Since you're the one who's out of control, it's not up to someone else to fix it. It is not. You are not a little kid having a tantrum and mommy has to come in and give you a hug. This is, I don't expect a three-year-old to necessarily have self-regulation. We teach them that. This is your problem now. You're having sort of an adult tantrum, but you're killing yourself. You're poisoning yourself. It's driving me crazy. It's driving you crazier. And that's why you're listening. I am here to give you the tough love. The, it's not tough. It's just love. I am here to give you the love. I'm here. This is what is going to change it. So you can sit here right now. I know some of you are listening and like, nah, it's bullshit, Abby. And no, 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 really, I would feel better if it's sort of like that argument, like, oh, I'd feel better if I had a million dollars or a hundred million dollars or whatever. I know I'd be happy. I work with very miserable billionaires. And I will tell you right now, it, yeah, I know the joke. I, you know, I'd rather cry in my Maserati. I get it. But this idea that there's something, or when I have a partner, I'll be happier. And when, when I have, you know, again, whenever that's it, you could be happy now. <laughs> and you you should be. I want you to be. I love you. It's why I'm yelling at you right now. I want that for you. The more resentment you feel, the longer you feel it, the more often you fear it, feel it, the more out of control you are. And you continue to be out of control because you're acting like a victim. You are. It, this is your this is your mama love. Jewish mother love. Jewish mother bossiness and love. There is only one way to begin the process of letting go of resentment, and that is, right, this habit of thought is that you need to change your perspective so you can shift your thinking. You feel the way you think. We, I've said over and over, it's the basis of cognitive behavioral therapy and rational mode of therapy. You feel the way you think. And without that shift, you won't be able to move forward and feel better. You might get temporary reprieves, but you know how this stuff comes back and that's why you're listening right now? I know. So. And I want to share, so I'm going to share, so we're to share the tool and I'm going to give you an example of a client and how, how we did this together. I'm about to share it. Don't worry. I'm here. I'm here with you. <laughs> so I have a client and she was feeling uh, really resentful after a birthday dinner she had. This is a few months ago now, but this is a perfect example. So she'd gone out with her, her partner and two other couples to, you know, her like best friends or whatever to this great restaurant. She'd been looking forward to it. And at the dinner, her partner made a joke at her expense and she felt embarrassed and criticized in front of her friends is really what happened. She got really angry in that moment, but she was trying to like have a good time. So she was, she was <clears throat> doing her best through the dinner to, to, you know, let it go. We love that, right? Let it go uh, in the moment. But she, when she was relaying it to me, she said she felt kind of slightly uncomfortable for the rest of the dinner and it kept kind of coming up in her head. She'd be having fun and then you know, or, or feeling loving towards a partner, he would say something else and then she'd be pissed. So the next day she said something to her partner 
but initially he dismissed her. He said something like, you know, oh, I was just making a joke. You get so sensitive, you know, like gaslighting bullshit, people say. Um, yeah. He's not a narcissist, by the way. He's not a horrible human. Just because you do, we all can accidentally gaslight and say something like that because we get defensive. But when she, and so she kept pushing though, and he did finally acknowledge it. Oh, sorry, I'm hiccuping. <laughs> he did finally acknowledge it, but he said, um, you know, he kind of said, oh, oh yeah, I see what you mean. I'm sorry. And she didn't feel like that was enough. She didn't feel like he acknowledged it enough. He didn't feel bad enough about how hurt she was by what he said. I know, I see you. I know right now you're like, damn it, I do that. Damn. Yes, you do. I know you do. We get those, they never feel like enough. They never feel like they're hurting. Enough. They don't really realize the depth of our pain and how much that upset us. And that's why even after people apologize, sometimes we're like, well, yeah, you know, really hurt my feelings. It's like, I've already apologized. I don't know how else to keep apologizing. It's because we don't feel it's enough. So when, you know, she came to therapy and she was kind of confessed to me that she'd been replaying that night and what her partner said over and over, right? Of course she did. Because Because she was in this frame of mind, she started remembering, of course, all the other times he'd acted like a jerk and she got more and more angry. So all week she's getting more resentful, more resentful, more resentful because she's, you know, always, never, all the time, you know, yeah, yeah, she's deep in now. So she's had the whole week to just mm -mm, think about all the ways, okay, and how much, she, how upset she was with him. and. I explained to her that what she had, you know, that when she had these recurring thoughts, again, think about it. She was putting herself right back in that situation. She was seeing her partner say the thing. She was watching her friends laugh or she noticed that her said, she said, oh, my best friend couldn't even look at me for a while, you know, and she was having all these thoughts that her best friend was embarrassed by the interaction, that she felt sorry for her, all the things she was living in that moment again. So all the same neurons are firing. All those same neurotransmitters are being released, those hormones released. She was stuck in the resentment habit of thought because to her, the lion was still chasing. That's what her brain thought. The lion is still chasing me. The lion is still chasing me. All the things I said earlier, she was hijacked. All that stuff happened. And then she started like loading on the bear. So here is your answer. I know I'm getting there. I always give it to you. I don't know why you're anxious. You're like, just say it already, Abby. I I'm saying it. It's self-distancing. That's your answer. Now, there's a specific way to do this. I've talked about self-distancing before when we talk about things like, uh, instead of saying, I'm anxious, you say, I feel anxiety. You're distancing yourself from the feeling. But what I'm about to explain to you is actually a little different. It's, it's, it's a form of self-distancing, but it's, it's really the real thing, the, the kind of, the, the, the separating yourself from a thought is, is, is a lighter version of what I'm about to say. So, uh, you so what because really what you want to do instead you do want to replay that conflict i know you do yes you do but you want to change your visual perspective okay with this self distancing and i want to just take a minute so there's these two psychologists and i'll probably say their names wrong and i apologize there's uh, aslam i a y d u k he's at uc berkeley or was and Ethan Cross, sorry, I feel terrible that I'm saying one name more easily than another. Um, and I, I'm, I'm going to apologize in advance. I should have looked up how to pronounce his name earlier, and I did not. So I should have done that. Okay. Just outing myself. All right. So uh, Cross is from University of Michigan, and they've been conducting research on self-distancing. And again, I'll link to all the studies. But their studies show that it's highly effective in letting go of resentment and anger and all those lucky feelings you don't like. Here's what you do. <laughs> what you do with self-distancing is you replay the event, but from a third-person perspective instead of the first-person perspective, okay? So in their research, they ask participants to recall a conflict from a close personal relationship. And they asked them to pick something that was still unresolved and still upsetting them a lot. Okay. So they really wanted like the toughest of the tough. So some of the participants recall the situation from a first person point of view where they were 
you know, which we've been describing where you're right there in the moment with that other person. And then, oh my God, you're, you know, I said this and they said that my friend was embarrassed, right? All the things I mentioned with my client. And then others in the, in this group use the self-distancing. And so they recall the situation from a third person view where this is that proverbial, you know, fly on the wall. Okay. And what they found so that they're like, out-of-body experience seeing themselves and the situation. What they found is that the participants who use self-distancing experience much less intense emotional reactions, much less intense physical reactions. As a matter of fact, physically, they had less, like, less of a rise in blood pressure. It went back to baseline quicker. Uh, emotionally, they felt less triggered. They had less emotional reactions overall. And what's really funny, because I always talk about you can never have closure and to stop that, and I did a whole episode on it. But I will tell you that those people who practice self-distancing actually said they felt closure uh, more often. Isn't that funny? So there you go. So when you're using this technique, you want to be careful. You have to stick to the facts. You don't try to guess what anyone else is thinking or feeling. You don't, don't assume you know what they really meant. The only evidence you're using is the actual words spoken and what actions you uh, can observe, what you can see. What you're doing is you're trimming away the emotionally charged fat. You're getting rid of the interpretations, your interpretations, and you're getting more clarity on the facts instead and what truly happened instead. So getting back to my client and her resentments over her birthday dinner, so here's what we did. I asked her to picture herself at that dinner again. That's what I, we just did it right in session. <clears throat> I said, but this time, you know, again, I asked her to take that fly in the wall perspective. What I do is I tell people to picture a video camera above, like, so with her, I said, picture a video camera, like above the table that you're all eating at, you know? And instead of watching the scene with your own eyes, I want you to be the video camera operator. I want you to be in that video camera. And I asked her to imagine seeing what happened from that more distant, like that third, again, that's the third person perspective. So she's picturing herself outside her body watching the scene. This is what's so important. You can't be in your body. You can't be yourself in there. You have to be outside is that like the, you know, you're not directing it, but you know, you're outside seeing it uh, while the rest is going on. You're an observer. So, and what happened, I had her do that and I had her, go through it. And she, and at the, and I, you know, then I'm like, how do you feel? And she said, you know, I, I'm obviously not happy about what happened, but she was able for sure to have a much, have much more perspective about what, what happened. And she just wasn't feeling so triggered. She wasn't feeling so hijacked. And she said that she realized that what she was really feeling was embarrassed and dismissed. And as we talked, she was really able to get in touch with compassion for herself, mostly. Um, some for her partner, even. She said, you know, he doesn't, like, as we talked, she said, my partner feels intimidated by these friends. Um, th- my client is very educated, and her partner um, is really bright and brilliant, has a great job, but didn't have formal schooling. He actually went into the military. Um, for I think six years, eight years, something. And then when he came out, he had a, you know, a great skill. And he now works like secure, you know, like tech security. He 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 makes good money and he does well. But she said he definitely feels different than her friends. And so she started to see, oh, he was like, he makes these jokes to like bring me down almost or bring us all down, maybe, to so that he can feel more because her friends are all very educated and she was starting to see that like her guests at it anyway like we don't really know what he's thinking or doing right but it makes sense and she said she does notice that he tends to only act this way in certain kinds of groups of people not all the time and certainly never when they're alone she said he never does this stuff more alone <laughs> and uh unless something kind of comes up that's related to his feeling less than her so it's like he's leveling the playing field so she was really able to get in touch with some different compassion and compassion for herself. And she said, you know, she started, you know, her friends, she's like, I don't, my, her one friend, there's only the two girlfriends there, you know, and their husbands. And she said, they love me. They know me. I, this is not something they were really upset about or whatever. I, I just was putting a lot on them because I felt embarrassed. 
And, you know, she was really able to, can you, you can even hear it how I'm talking about it. She just was calmer. She was calmer talking about it. And we started discussing her relationship from a new perspective, you know, in, in, in other sessions too, not just obviously all in that one. Our sessions are only so long. Uh, but instead of complaining about her partner, you know, which she would do um, kind of often, and I was always steering her away from that, you know, complaining. I did an episode on complaining too, because it's as bad for you as bacon, I think is what I even called that episode. Complaining is just not helpful. And again, you're always looking at the other person. You're acting like a victim. Whenever we complain, you know, I, I never complain about gravity, right? I don't complain about gravity because I can't do anything about gravity. So I don't complain about it. I, it just is a fact. It's this thing. But anything I think I can change, I complain about. And you should notice that for yourself too. We complain about things that we should change. Just know that anytime, <laughs> anytime if you're complaining about your weight, something you can change. If you're complaining about the state of the world, it's something you can change. We're complaining because we think we're not doing enough, right? If you hate politics or something, are you volunteering? Are you giving money? Are you doing anything? Are you just saying there's nothing we can do and you're complaining? Like, what are you doing? So, uh, <laughs> you know, my it was really great watching her. She started to really take responsibility for her life, for what she was allowing in her relationships, all of them, not just her partner, but in other ones too. And she. She had grown up in a house where I think many people do, where this kind of behavior was common. So it seemed, you know, normal or usual to her and that uh, someone would have sarcastic comments or knock someone off their perch, so to speak, or, you know, say things like you're too big for your britches or, um, you know, have little jabs when you're doing well. And uh, or just jabs in general, you know, like that was a way to quote unquote show love. And so when you grow up with that, it seems normal. So when you're in a relationship and that starts to happen, there's a part of you that doesn't like it, but you sort of get it. You're like, oh, that's, yeah, that's what it looks like. That's just normal in relationships. And so when she first started dating him, she didn't really call it out much because it didn't happen much, first of all. It usually doesn't when people are first together. Well, sometimes it does. And she's now seeing that it's a reflection of him. But more importantly, on um, what she will and won't accept. That's really what she's seeing is that she has set up these boundaries all this time in the relationship. She's been putting up with this behavior for all this time and allowing it. And when I say that, I know some of you are like, because she had said things to him before. This wasn't the only time she had said something about it. And so when I say that you keep allowing it is if, if you tell, if you're in a relationship right now and you're telling the other person to stop doing something, whatever that is, like that's really hurting your feelings. Like that's big. I don't mean leaving the toilet seat up. That's bullshit. If it's like, leave that alone. I'm talking about that they, they make jokes at your expense, that they yell at you, that they ignore you, that they give you the, whatever. I'm talking about real shit. Okay. Not, not top off the toothpaste bullshit. I'm talking about the real stuff of the relationship that makes you feel small and inconsequential. If that's happening still and you've tried, then that's on you. I know you're, don't turn me off. Don't, don't stop listening. It means that your boundary hasn't been clear. It's not, I've said this before, it's not a boundary to tell someone stop doing that. That's not a boundary. That's stating your standard. Okay. You're stating your standard. The boundary is when you do something to back it up. The boundary is when you uh, leave the house when they do that. The boundary is when you hang up the phone. The boundary is the action that you take after, okay? So that it stops happening. And it, I know everyone in their head thinks, well, I don't want to break up with this person. You don't, I didn't say break up. I didn't say that. I said, have a boundary. Make it very clear. And it might be that you ultimately can't be with this person. I don't know. But I think most of the time people can work this stuff out. But until someone realizes how much this is affecting the two of you. And until it starts to affect them, nothing's going to change. So, and I don't say do that as a punishment. I don't say leave the house as a punishment. Don't punish them. This isn't on them. This is you. I say, love yourself. You should be leaving as a, as a walking out the door or hanging up the phone or, you know, just again, telling them with a lot of clarity or not going to the to Thanksgiving at your parents' house from love, from love, boundaries or love. 
from clarity, from, from holding your, your head up high. That's what it's from. It's not to punish them. It is not an ultimatum. It is not a threat. It just is. If, if, if a policeman is, you know, if I'm speeding on a road and, and a cop gives me a ticket, he's not like yelling at me when he comes to the window. What's wrong with you? Why are you speeding on my highway? How dare you? He doesn't take it personally. He like gives me the ticket and I have to go deal. I have to go pay the consequence. That's what this is. Just take the emotionality out of it on that level or any of the negative emotions, I guess I would say, and put in the love, put in the pot. I don't think that my, the cop on the highway is love for me, but who knows? Um, but you, you see where I'm going here? And I will tell you that as we did this work, just from this one thing, it totally changed the nature of our work together. And she started to focus, the focus of our sessions really turned to problem solving and how to set up better boundaries with her partner. And, and of course, other people, because it wasn't just with him, right? She started focusing on taking real responsibility for her life and relationships. She started focusing on her self-esteem. She started focusing, and by the way, she started focusing on some shit she could let go. She really could let go. She was realizing that, yeah, I'm focused on the toilet seat. Like, why? Why is this the the you know the, the razor that everything is you know gonna get cut on? Like, what is my problem? It because it is so little, right? So if something so little is so big, what is that? And it's again, always about you and your boundaries. And sometimes what we come to find is that it doesn't really matter. It took me a few years, but I realized that Gary's, you know, few whiskers left in the sink, I've talked about them before, don't really matter. It, it, it's okay. It, he's not disrespecting me. He's not anything. <laughs> it's just isn't quite as detailed in the cleanliness process as I am. He wipes most of the sink. He, <laughs> he gives it a good swoosh, you know, and it takes me a few seconds to do the rest of the swoosh. And it's for me. And I've talked about this before too. But you start to realize what's important and what's not. And you start to focus on what's truly important and what you need and not what you don't need. And that is, that is because now your prefrontal cortex is working. You've calmed that limbic system. You shut that puppy down. You started to really go like, what do, what's important? And you start to get smart and you start to get happy and you start to get calm and serene and satisfied. When you practice self-distancing in this way consistently, you'll find that you start to be much more self-reflective, self-reflective instead of focused on other people. And that's where you find more self-efficacy, problem solving instead of being emotionally reactive. And that's really the, the goal. And you'll see you start letting go of resentments to yourself too, right? My, like what I just said, I'm thinking right now, my client stopped beating herself up for not voicing her needs more in, you know, and instead she just started changing her behaviors. That's what started to happen. She, she used to really beat herself up. What's wrong with me? Why don't I, you know, I let this go for so long, blah, blah, blah you know, and then we start catastrophizing and generalizing, ah, not helpful, right? And so, and I want to wrap up just by saying this, acceptance and forgiveness are needed, obviously, all those things, but that's all needed. But we're letting go of resentments is hard to do when your brain is hijacked. It's hard to accept. It's hard to forgive. It's hard to do those things when your brain is so activated because you can't access, you can't, I don't care who you are, you can't access that part of your brain that's going to be helpful when you're so wrapped up in blame of yourself, of other people, of anything. So you start with changing your habits of thought. You start with changing your thoughts and you will absolutely start to change how you feel and how you act. That's how it happens. This obviously works in a lot of different ways for a lot of things, but with this thing in resentment, this is your ticket. So starting today, if there's anything you're resentful about, and again, what do you have to be? You got to be mindful. Hello, download my mindfulness starter kit. If you haven't yet, start meditating. I have a meditation starter kit. I mean, start doing, they're free. <laughs> if you haven't, you know, start being mindful. And when you're mindful, you'll notice, oh my gosh, I've just been thinking about my partner and how pissed I am. Oh, what do I have to do? Oh yeah, let me see that 
let me play that scene again in the kitchen where he walked in while I was cleaning the dishes and just sat and talked to me while I was cleaning and didn't start cleaning. I know that's a whole thing. Um, men don't, don't stand there, you know, cause the, and the guy's thinking, well, I was in there talking to her. She should have been happy. Like she keeps asking for us to spend time together. I thought it would make the time go quicker. Uh, you know, I cooked dinner. It was her turn to clean the dishes. You know, you have, it's like, just help. Stop it. Anyway, and talk. Um, <laughs> but you, you know, you have this in your head and right there you would, you know, in that moment, realize you're thinking about it and you'd stop and you go, okay, let me do it again. There's a video camera on the wall. Let me look down at what's happening. And you would probably start to see, oh, he was trying to talk to me and he was doing his best. He, you know, like at least, you know, he was talking. I would like more, but I don't also have to be so upset. He was giving a, a first effort and I like that first effort and I want to be part of that. And, and I want a boundary around how we deal with our housework together where it doesn't feel quite so yours and mine, where it feels more like ours. And I'm going to approach that, you know, see where it goes, start problem solving. It doesn't mean that you just go, oh, I should just be grateful that he talked to me. That's crap. But it does mean that you start to see things differently and then problem solve. Okay. On the other side. And you would do this and you'd find the compassion, you'd get unhijacked and you wouldn't start to then think of all the other ways he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, or she's not doing what she's supposed to be doing. You start to really distance and get a better handle on your life. Okay. There you go. That's it for resentment today. I'm sure I'll maybe revisit this in the future. Who knows? If you haven't, um, written in yet with a topic you'd like to hear about, please do, abby at abbymedcalf.com, or you can DM me on social media. Uh, usually IG is the best way to get me. I'm not sure I, I'm even on Facebook anymore very much. Uh, I, I, I'm, it, I, IG is your, your better bet at this point. Um, feel free. Uh, or email me, whatever works. Um, and uh, yeah, let me know. We're coming up on the end of this season, oh my gosh, and then we'll be starting season six in August. I don't know when you're, August of 2023. I don't know when you're listening, but uh, you know you might be hearing this in August of 24. I don't know if you're just catching up. But regardless, I know you have a lot of things you could be listening to right now and you're listening to me and you're spending time with me and that always means a lot. I can't even describe how much I look forward to sitting here with you. I, I just, I'm like, oh, I get to do the podcast today. That's literally how I think about it. And I know that's got to come across because it's how I feel every time. It's been, I think this is episode 241. So 240 times plus I've sat down and done this and uh, it's just bringing so much joy and happiness in my life. And I'm going to cry again. I will though. And I really appreciate you. So if no one told you this week that you're beautiful and that you're loved, uh, and whole, just as you are, then I'm going to right now. I love you so much. Have a great week. And I'll talk to you. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you. And I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything, you can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
it. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.